Good morning, day or night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Surviving to Drive podcast. Today we are discussing the Austrian Grand Prix. This is your favorite source of American-based F1 conversation, presented by me, Alex, and my co-host, Tyler. Let's race into it. New. So, Tyler, how do we feel about that race? I thought it was pretty good. I think there was a lot to be hopeful for, for different fans, and a little bit of a mix-up up front, um, and some Mercedes that were looking to get into the fight, but... Uh, Overall, not as much action as the last couple races, but I still think it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty solid. I think uh, it was nice to see it, kind of a good battle between Max and Charles there kind of kind of throughout with the with the different pit stop strategies and then even signs there making some progress as well. But yeah, um, So we'll start with going through the, through the race order here. So the finishing order was uh, Leclerc in first, Max in second, Hamilton in third to round out the podium. And we had Russell having a good comeback drive, finishing in fourth, Ocon, uh, Schumacher in the points again, his highest finish ever in F1 in sixth. Then we had Norris in seventh, Magnussen in eighth, Ricardo in ninth, Alonso rounding out the points in tenth, Bottas, Albon, Stroll, Zoe, Gasly, Sonoda, and Vettel were the rest of the finishers. Yeah, and then we had a couple of DNFs. Uh, the first couple were pretty early, so we had Perez going out um, after he was spun by George Russell in a questionable call there, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Latifi kind of made his way back to the pits and just decided to retire the car, and then Sainz's engine decided to blow up near the end of the race, which gave us a little bit of a little bit of action at the end there and made it a little more interesting um, with the with the front runners. Yeah, that's for sure. I think uh, the Sainz, you know, triggering a virtual safety car there at the end definitely caused a little bit of drama, and then you had kind of those front runners pitting. Uh, and then from there, we kind of had a little drama with Leclerc and with the, with the throttle pedal and everything happened with that. So definitely made for an interesting end of the race. Yeah, and I think our starting order, and, and uh, obviously this weekend was a sprint re- weekend, so uh, made it pretty interesting, but qualifying was was a pretty happening event. Yeah, qualifying was qualifying was crazy this week, much much more uh, intense than last week's qualifying. Uh, you know, starting in, in Q1, you had Danny Rick going out in Q1, which I think surprised surprised a few people, definitely. I think the McLaren definitely had the pace to make out of Q1. And then in Q2, Lando obviously had those brake problems that he never really was even able to get a lap in, so that kind of hindered him. And then uh, going into Q3 is where we really saw the drama. We had both Mercs crashing out. Uh, I think it was interesting because Lewis looked so quick in his first two push laps and then had to back off twice and then ended up crashing on that third. Yeah, and they had, after he was after he went into the wall, they were on the radio with him saying that he's going to end up in 10th, obviously, in, in that Q3 session, but they said he was fighting on pace for first, second, you know, almost able to put it up there on pole, and he's really had the pace recently, and the Mercedes have taken a, a pretty big step forward. Yeah, they had, a, they had a great weekend up to that point in qualifying, and then you had, obviously, Russell in Q3 also, mm-hmm. immediately after Hamilton did, putting it in the wall, going into the final turn, so... They were looking promising for pole, and I think if they, you know, going into the race, if they would have had that chance to kind of be up there for the sprint race, we could have seen more of a fight from them, but they had to kind of fight their way back to the field. Yeah, it was an interesting session to watch for them. I think, obviously, I think Lewis was was struggling with some tire warm-up, which those Mercedes, I think we talked about this last weekend, they're struggling with a little bit, but uh, he had some interesting laps to, to set up for a push lap, and then ended up putting it in the wall in turn six, I believe it was. And then right after that, like you said, Russell came out and, and did the same thing, but down at turn nine. So uh, unfortunate for the Mercedes, but um, as we'll get into in a little bit, they were able to fight their way back in the race. So good for them. And then we had Max getting pull um, just in front of both of the Ferraris who were showing some pretty good pace. And 
uh, ended up making it a pretty interesting weekend. Um, and then we had a lot of track limits was a, a big conversation going into this weekend. I know even last year it was, it was quite a big conversation. And this year with the more strict ruling, it was, uh, a lot of FIA intervention and track limits deleted in Q1, Q2, and even in Q3. And so we had Perez, the big one who I, I somehow they let it slip through, I guess, turn seven, they weren't really watching too particularly, even though they had disqualified another driver for going through that turn eight a little bit too tight and, and cutting the cutting the corner there so uh just an interesting overall and then obviously they ended up after a qualifying session taking Perez out of q3 and deleting all his laps and then deleting his final lap in that q2 session and ended up putting him in 13 to start off the uh, sprint race yeah i thought that was tough for particularly ghastly because he ended up qualifying 11th i believe before the before the sprint race and he would have made it into q3 and I don't know how much more pace you would have had than that, but you know anything could have happened beyond that. And then, obviously, he ended up getting one place back and starting a little bit higher. But um, I just think it was weird that they missed that one and they didn't really miss any of the rest of the weekend. It was just that one. Yeah, it was uh, but I guess it was good that they did go back and actually adjust it and start him where he should have started. Yeah, and we saw. I mean, you know, Hamilton crashing out in tenth, so it would have put Gasly at least ninth. But um, as we'll get to in a minute, when we get to the sprint race, he uh, didn't have much luck there. But uh, we had just one other thing from qualifying was was kind of the fans. And I know we'll talk about this a little bit more, but uh, the fans cheering when Hamilton went into the wall. And, you know, I get it when when your main rival is going out of the race and you have a, a better chance at pole or a better chance to, to gain points on him. But it's not a championship fight. And Hamilton wasn't out of the car at the point that they had panned the cameras over to the fans. So, um interesting take there what were your thoughts on that yeah i just thought it was uh you know just a bad look overall because like you said there was it was a it was a huge crash right like we didn't know if he was okay it took him while to get out of the car like it was a big it was a big incident and it's one thing and we kind of talked about this like it's one thing if you know you have like a crash like stroll had in back a couple times like you just kind of lose control of the car and break Mm -hmm. the front wing a little bit or something like that and I can I fully support you know rabid fans and cheering for that like obviously he wasn't injured you know just had made a mistake but like you know a crash like that like you don't know if the guy's injured or not and then, yeah and then the pan to the crowd and it you know you would have thought Max just won the world championship by the way they were celebrating like it was a little weird to me yeah they were a little excited and then obviously a little later in the weekend we heard from Formula One coming out with a statement against some incidents that we didn't hear anything too specific but. Um, some unfortunate comments were made, I guess, and uh, uh, just again, not a good look for for the fans and the track there. Yeah, I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter from even from Max fans themselves um, saying they they faced a lot of different hate comments and just different things they went through that they couldn't believe while they're at the race and they're just trying to be there and enjoy the weekend. And you yeah, know, we're constantly getting different comments about themselves or what was going on or things like that. So. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing, and uh, you know, good for the good for Formula One coming out and condemning that, yeah. and hopefully able to uh, rectify some of those situations from um, the unfortunate just place that that some people were put in. But uh, yeah, some decent action on track at least for for fans that were there. Hopefully, uh, able to watch that in peace. Uh, and like we had talked about uh, last weekend, heading into this weekend, we're a fan of of some sprint race weekends and. Gave the fans something to watch on Saturday that's uh, a little more interesting than qualifying. Yes, for sure. Like we talked about before, it's nice to have Friday mean something and then Saturday mean something as well. Yeah. Um, And just good to see a little action earlier on in the weekend. 
Uh, I think overall the sprint race was was pretty solid. We saw some nice battles between uh, Lewis and Mick, uh, particularly throughout the race uh, yep. with that DRS train that they had uh, with Magnuson involved too. So I think that was definitely good to see, and it was it was nice to see Mick kind of holding his own there against a seven-time world champion. So that was that was that was awesome. And then I think uh, beyond that, just seeing kind of uh, Perez battle his way through the field and make his way up. Uh, into one of the higher positions was awesome too yeah it was interesting to see how hesitant lewis was and i think you know taking from some of the earlier sprint races and sprint races last year where it's very easy to lose out a lot uh when you have you know more points to make up the next day so uh interesting to see that but he was able to get by at the end of the race but even before the race we had some drama with uh, alonzo and joe um, for those of you that didn't didn't catch it, Alonzo was still up on his jacks and had tire blankets on when the uh, formation lap was getting ready to start. Um, made for an interesting start. Yeah, um, I think a lot of us, and including a lot of the people even in the broadcast, thought that Alpine had just straight up forgotten to take off the tire blankets, which would have been very hilarious because that seems like something they would do to Alonzo. But yeah. uh, later came out that it was something wrong with his, his engine. He just ultimately had to retire and not even participate in the race. And then Joe... Uh, like right before they remade the grid on the formation lap, just lost all power. Mm-hmm. Uh, was able to finally get it up, but they had to do another formation lap again, and then he had to start from the pit lane, obviously. So it was a definitely a drama-filled start, you know, right at the beginning of that race, and then it led into led into a pretty good turn race. Yeah, and we had some contact at the beginning for Gazzy, like we mentioned a little earlier, who uh, just hasn't had any luck with, with any sprint races, a guy who you would, you would hope would be able to fight that car up a little bit more from where he was able to qualify and hopefully get some positions, but, uh, ended up spinning and taking up the rear yeah. of the grid. Yeah. Gasly, probably the unluckiest sprint race driver oh, yeah. we've seen. I, it seems like every, I, I remember back to Monza last year when he had that crash, I put him out right away. And then I think in the sprint race this year too, in uh, Imola, he had issues on the first lap as well, where he got hit. So. Uh, he's definitely struggled in the sprint races. Um, so that's, you know, like you said, I think he's someone that could have brought the car through the field and definitely shows good pace, but just really hasn't had the chance to and even finish most of these sprint races. Yeah, it was unfortunate. And then we also saw Albon headhunting a little bit in, in the uh, sprint race. Yeah, Albon was, Albon was on one in the sprint race. I've never seen someone make contact with so many people in such a short amount of time as he did. It was kind of funny because it reminded you back of uh, when they were there in 2020 and him and Lewis had that contact several times in the race. And I think Albon just, you know, was not given driver space. He ended up getting, I think, 10 seconds worth of penalties during the sprint race, which is pretty impressive for a 23-lap race. But, yeah, he was, you know, dive-bombing. He was doing everything he could to make positions up, and it was just not working. Yeah, it did not work out for him. And then he ended up starting at the back for the for the actual race. And the race had some some pretty interesting highlights, I think, uh, a pretty clean getaway for most. For most, I think uh, signs on Russell when Russell was putting some pressure on the back on that first corner, and signs went over a little bit, turned some heads. I think we were expecting a little bit of uh, FIA intervention there, or at least to, to note it and look at it. But um, I, you know, signs was able to get back past after uh, allowing him a little bit with that extra runoff, so he, he was able to carry some speed through that straight and get past Russell, and then. Uh, nothing to note for the stewards and, and no penalties coming from that. Yeah, they kind of got away clean. I was, like you said, I was surprised too that he didn't, maybe he wasn't going to get a penalty, but would at least have to maybe give the place back to Russell because of kind of how it went down. And yeah. he seemingly at least gained some kind of advantage by being able to go straight on and just 
definitely off the track there but yeah pretty clean through those first couple turns and then you know going so when we started to go downhill uh turn towards four and five that's when we saw our first incident where uh you know russell had uh gotten to the inside on i believe turn f- four and then uh perez tried to go on the outside ended up clipping uh russell's front left tire and broke part of his wing and then Perez spun and that put him down in the last. Yeah. And that was interesting. I know. So the stewards noted that and uh, ended up giving George a, a five second penalty to serve for that incident. And I don't know what your opinions are on this, but I thought it was more of a racing incident. I thought Perez came in a little bit. He, he might've had a wing ahead or something, but um, you know, it was George's corner on the inside and he took the apex and, and left plenty of room on the outside. I think Perez maybe turned in a little bit too much and that's where the contact came. It was, kind of further inside of the corner than the normal contact happens there like we saw later on in the race but I thought that was more of a racing incident what do you think yeah I agree I think it's just just good hard racing like that's that's gonna happen they both came in no one no one was way ahead of the other they were both kind of even going into the turn and mm-hmm. George hit the apex which I think is the biggest thing you really couldn't have gone any more inside than he already was and like I said I think Perez just turned in a little too much and then hit his tire um because normally in that turn when we do see instances of penalties it's that the guy on the inside goes too wide and yeah the apex but i mean george gave him plenty enough room to to go around the outside i think that was just just a clean racing incident but yeah it was unfortunate it ended up that incident ended up uh ruining not not really ruining but uh definitely compromising both of their races and yeah. obviously george was able to bring it back up into fourth place finish but perez ended up getting caught after a pit stop to replace his front wing and, and some new tires ended up getting caught in a lot of blue flags and slowed down his his charge back yeah it was tough for Perez and on a, on a track like that that's so short you're just going to continue to get blue flags the entire time so I think after five or six laps he was already getting the blue flags because of the time he lost in the pits to replace the whole wing yeah. um, so just there was no way he was ever going to recover and ultimately ended up DNFing as we talked about because there was just no way that every every time he made any gains at all he had to give a place back to someone else behind and it's just, it would have, every time he pit, he got further back too, so they ended up just kind of calling it for him there. Yeah, unfortunate, but probably good for the long run. I mean, I don't know if there was much of a chance of him getting back through with all these drivers coming up on his on his tail and uh, making, him, making him slow down a decent amount there. And then a little further on into the race, we also saw Gasly and Vettel get into a similar situation, but I think, uh, like you said, Gasly on the inside drifted a little bit further out and, and definitely punted Vettel into the gravel there yeah that was tough to see for Vettel I he seems to have had quite a few of those instances here where he's been on the receiving end of that and um it's not going his way so Gasly's definitely deserving a penalty there and Gasly ended up that ended up being a second penalty actually because he had a five second time penalty for track limits and we actually saw a lot of different warnings and penalties today for track limits so I know Gasly had a, a five second time penalty for track limits after getting the black and white flag Norris had the same thing happen to him, and then across the board, almost every driver ended up getting all the way to two or three warnings for track limits, and then we obviously had a couple penalties too. So as we talked about earlier, they're definitely very strict on on track limits all weekend, and I think it it played a big role in the race because we saw a lot of people going off. It is a, it is a kind of a tight circuit and a short circuit, so and kind of high speed. So in a lot of those turns and stuff, they do go a little wide, but. They were definitely policing it way more than, than we've seen so far this year. Definitely, yeah. That nine ten were was keeping were catching people out, and I know we saw uh, 
Verstappen at the beginning of the race starting to get a couple of warnings there and uh, on the on the radio with his team and wondering where he's going off and um, potentially maybe slowing him down a little bit from from his pace because we saw that start to dry up a little bit and then also Hamilton was a big one who was uh, mainly arguing with with his yeah. own team on, yeah, on uh, why he's getting those warnings but yeah a lot of them overall and not a huge impact on the race I know last year we saw or 2020 I believe it was we saw Hamilton's five second penalty get Norris onto the podium and um, these penalties didn't really affect the race as much I think more mostly because they were served in the pit lane rather than at the end of the race but uh, yeah overall very strict and I think I like seeing that from the FIA I think uh, a good track limits violation is um, probably keeps everybody more honest yeah I think it's good I think it's something that they hopefully are going to be consistent with going forward yeah. i think like you t- talked about in our silverstone recap it was there were a couple surprising ones there that they didn't call any track limits for didn't even give a warning for mm-hmm. uh so i'm hoping they're consistent with it whether you're going to be strict about it or not you know pick one or the other and if they are going to be strict about it like you said i agree i think they should be i think it it makes it more natural racing then that you get and so i think it's good that they're strict about it and i hope they carry that forward for the rest of the races yeah and we'll see how they move forward with that i know they had the big incident in qualifying so hopefully we don't see any more of that compromising other people's runs uh towards q3 but yeah overall for the rest of the race i think a lot of tire strategy was involved and we saw a lot of uh one stoppers being predicted ahead of the race and ended up being more two and even some three with the virtual safety car at the end but uh, a very interesting kind of back and forth battle of of pit stops to watch yeah i think as soon as max pitted on i believe it was lap 12 i think that kind of triggered for everybody like oh this might be a two-stop race because Mm -hmm. you and i were talking about it there's just no way those those hards could have gone 60 laps or whatever it would have been like that would have been insane for a hard even for a hard tire to do because you know the medium have clearly degraded after 12 um so i think like you said we saw a lot of people go to two and then with that virtual safety car three stops and so Pretty much beyond what we've talked about, a lot of the drama was just between the back and forth between uh, Max and the two Ferraris for the rest of the race. So, uh, you know, both Charles and Sainz had a lot more pace than the Red Bull did today. Yeah. Um, you know, both times they pitted after and came out behind Max, but both of them were able to get past. Um, and, you know, Carlos almost got past the second time and then obviously had that DNF. But mm-hmm. um, I think it made for an interesting race because, like you said, the, the tire strategy played an important role and then. We got to see, you know, how fast these tires actually degraded here. I think it, it did surprise a lot of people how much they wore down. And, like, we saw with Max where he pitted and looked great for about 10 laps in those hearts and then, like, just lost all his pace. And then, you know, when he got on a new hearts, he got the pace back and then it just died again. Yeah, I think, you know, we had a lot of rain overnight and washing away the the progress on the track from prior days. But it was still a lot more dig than a lot of the, a lot of the teams and a lot of the drivers were expecting. Um, which, which, yeah, it did make for a more interesting race. We had Max pit early after the Ferraris were able to roar past him, and then he ended up coming back a little bit. And then when the Ferraris finally pit, they pit, got fresh tires, and stormed right at him uh, real quick and were able to uh, almost, well, Charles overtook him, and then we saw the DNF of signs right as he was looking like he was going to get past Max. And uh, that was a pretty chaotic DNF, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was, that was a scary one, kind of, because he did, you know, for those of you who didn't watch that, he, you know, his engine ended up blowing up, basically, and he had to pull over the side up by turn four, and his car just caught on fire completely and started rolling backwards. Then, you know, almost a funny moment, kind of, we saw the, the marshal throw his gloves on the ground, like that was going to stop the, the car from rolling backwards or something, but 
Sainz able to get out safely, luckily, and, you know, wasn't injured or anything. But, yeah, just another reliability issue for Ferrari, which is tough to see. They were on for a 1-2 today, and I don't know if Sainz could have challenged Leclerc at the end. He was looking pacey as well, so I think it would have been interesting to see. But um, I think the biggest takeaway from that is just – you know, with Perez dropping out and then being quicker, it was it was a great chance for Ferrari to make a big points haul on on Red Bull and really put a dent in, into their thing. And yes, they did put a dent by a couple of points in their lead, but they could have really made a big difference today if they would have had that one-two finish. Yeah, it's almost like you know Ferrari hasn't seemed to have just a good smooth race in in quite a few. Uh, like Miami is is what I'm thinking back to when they had. You know, just a good smooth, no issues, no yeah. no strategy bungles, and um, yeah, this weekend was looking good, looking really good for them for a good points haul, and then unfortunately that DNF uh, sent them packing for the weekend, and unfortunately weren't able to capitalize, but you know, we saw Leclerc keep going, and uh, started a little bit of a, a quick pit stop under the VSC for them both to get fresh tires, which was a good call from uh, probably both of them at the end of, at the end of the day, and um charles was able to hold on even though he had some issues at the end of the race there yeah that was definitely it got tricky for ferrari there i think a lot of us thought just because of the luck they've had this year that it was going to end a double dnf i wouldn't have been surprised you know he had those throttle issues where um and they were showing on the broadcast where even when he was braking it would still go down only like 20 percent throttle it never would go to zero um so i know that definitely brought back max a little closer there in the end and was definitely scary for charles i know he had a lot of trouble with it but was able to fight through it and definitely drove an awesome race to those last 10 laps yeah and it's just impressive how you know drivers able to hold on to the lead at the end of the race like that are are just incredibly impressive able to put together laps lap lap after lap holding off people behind them uh without issues and charles is able to do that with an issue that if you think about you're trying to drive and and break into corners while you're still getting some gas and and the car is still trying to move on you it's that's got to be a challenge. Yeah, I think, especially he said going into turn three, I think it's where he struggled the most because you, know, you are having to turn so much there. I think it caused him to you know, slightly go wide every single time, which you're losing a couple tenths then to the car behind you every time that happens. So it definitely got very close to the end. But you know, like you said, I think it was really impressive for him to fight through that and finish the race. And I remember even one of the laps he put in was actually like three tenths quicker than Max somehow. So Yeah, it was very impressive. Yeah. Um, so I guess going into going into the uh, kind of our driver highlights uh, for the weekend, I think you know someone we definitely should mention first is Lewis. You know, three podiums in a row now. Yeah, he seems to have gotten his momentum back. Obviously, it's because of some DNFs and stuff this week, but he's still capitalizing on you know other people's mistakes. And then along with him too, Russell, you know, fighting all the way back to P four. You know, Merck just continue to be so consistent, right? They built such a reliable car. Um, I think we saw a stat that they've finished double points nine of 11 races. Yeah. And really the only time they didn't is when Hamilton had no pace in Emma and then that crash last week in Silverstone for, for Russell. But, you know, he's been in the top five in every race he's finished. And they've just been so consistent and have just continued to maximize the amount of points they can get each and every week with a car that's clearly, you know, still third best right now. So I think it'll be interesting to see in the last, because there's still plenty of season left. We've still got half the season left. Yeah. If they can, you know, continue to be consistent these next two and then really make some good upgrades over the summer break we could you know be in for a good title fight in the year yeah definitely and i think you know talking about mercedes leads leads pretty well into our predictions for this this weekend i know both of us had a little bit of predictions whether it was in the the sprint race or the actual race about mercedes so 
I'll start off with what we decided to do a, a pre-sprint prediction rather than qualifying predictions since there was a little more to, to gamble with there. So my pre-sprint predictions was A, that Max would win, which uh, he was able to uh, just barely hold off uh, the Ferraris yeah. at the end there, but I uh, ended up pulling pulling that one out. And then I predicted a Hamilton top six able to fight his way up, but uh, um, you know not so lucky with that. I think you know he ran into some issues getting behind Mick and not able to pass too quickly, but ended up in, in eighth, so not not the worst, but uh, definitely didn't make it to this top five. Yeah, no, that's it, he he got held up in that that double DRS train, and then it just kind of like you said, he, like we talked about earlier, he was just pretty cautious during the race. I think he didn't want to make any big mistakes. I think going into because he knew he had the pace for Sunday to kind of get up into further up into the points. Yeah. Uh, so I guess going into my per, two predictions for the sprint race, I had um, one Haas in the points, which ended up happening. Uh, I believe Magnussen ended up finishing in seventh. Yeah. And so that was good points for them. And it was nice to see them, you know, start the weekend off with some points. And outside of that, I had uh, Leclerc to win. I just thought, you know, if he could get ahead early, he'd be able to, to get the win on Max and have the pace. But him and Carlos ended up kind of battling there and it set them back too far. And once they stopped battling, they ended up catching up at the end, but just got too far behind there early on. Yeah, I think both very solid predictions. You know, we had yeah. almost very, very nearly had double Haas points in that in that sprint yes. race with Hamilton. Uh, only able to get through, I think, the last maybe three laps he was able to get through. Uh, but, yeah, almost on for a double, double, double points finish this weekend, which would have been very impressive. And then, yeah, yeah like you said, that, that fight at the very beginning with Carlos is what kind of compromised Charles to get that win. But uh, definitely had some pace coming back at the end of that sprint race. Uh, but going into our, our overall race, my top three were a Charles win with Max in second, and then I had Sainz in third. And my thinking there was that uh, Ferrari finally deciding that they wanted to uh, maybe favor a teammate after watching what happened in the sprint race, kind of compromising their whole strategy there and letting Charles go a little bit more. And um, they kind of did. I, I don't think we saw any of Carlos or Charles fighting, but um, just some raw pace out of that car, which was uh, very impressive. And so Charles did end up winning and Max did end up coming in second after a signs DNF. And then obviously signs not coming in, uh, in third there, but um, you know, hard to predict in third when you when you got two of the top four DNFing. Yeah, that's that's something you couldn't have accounted for, I think. And it's you know overall, I think you're on the right you're on the right track there with having that based on the pace that Ferrari had this weekend. So I'll go ahead and go into my uh, two race or race order predictions for the weekend. So I had Verstappen one, Charles two, and Perez three. Uh, I just thought you know once Max won the sprint, uh, I thought he'd just get ahead in the actual race too, and then kind of pull away similar to how he did in both of the the GPs here last year. Um, Charles second was easy. I thought he just had the pace to kind of keep up and keep in second. And then I thought Perez, uh, even though he was down in fifth to start the race, I thought he'd fight back up because he looked so pacey in the sprint race and, and secure that final podium spot. And I, I did actually think that something was probably going to happen to science, which I did. I, for some reason, I just felt like this was, a, this had science DNF written all over it this race. Yeah. I don't know why, but, um, I can go ahead and go into my, uh, my two actual predictions from there. And then, so I had, Hamilton to finish in the top five, which I did nail there. He ended up finishing on the podium. And then double Haas points, which I also got correct. So it was a, it was a good weekend of predictions for me. But yeah, well I think that was awesome to see, you know, kind of talking about some of our team highlights too to kind of rope that in. But, you know, double points for Haas, double points for Merck, Alpine, and McLaren this weekend. Um, I think a lot of us didn't expect that. Obviously, you had the two DNS with the Ferrari and the Red Bull. But uh, really, really consistent weekend for all those teams. And I think 
uh, I think we expected Alpine to kind of be there and be in that hunt, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously the Mercs too. But uh, to see both the Haas in there, and both McLaren, I think both McLarens in there, I think was very promising. Yeah, um, it was good to see you know Mick kind of battle his way through the field and finish finish in sixth and kind of have have that fight throughout the day. And then I know Magnussen said after he had kind of a small engine issue, but was able to stay in the points. And then you know it's, I think. For Norris, just another consistent top seven finish that kind of seems to, seems to be his mantra this year. It's just putting yeah. it, you know, sixth or seventh, kind of the best of the rest. And then finally, Ricardo seeing him finishing the points was very promising because it, he had not had the last couple of good weeks. Yeah, we continue to see some some almost quiet weekends from the likes of Alonso and Norris and uh, just able to bring it home and some good points finishes. But this weekend and with, with such a short track, there was a ton of action in the midfield and we saw that whole uh, Haas train with uh, some Alfa Romeos, some Alpines getting stuck in there, some uh, Aston Martins when they were up in, in the battle, uh, all fighting. All, there was there was one instance, yeah. a lap, where they were going down to, to turn four, I believe it was, and almost three wide into a corner. Yeah, and, there were five of them bunched up there. And they yeah. ended up, somehow Norris and Magnuson ended up coming out on top of that. But, yeah, I think it was them two, Mick, uh, Alonzo, and Zoe were all – kind of bunched together almost like you said it was for sure three wide but i think it was almost five wide they went yeah into turn three and into turn four and just an unbelievable sequence yeah and it was it was just awesome to watch those cars being able to yeah. follow each other and and uh some good race craft and uh good on them for for keeping it out of the gravel down there so uh, a lot of fun to watch um and like you said we we were expecting alpine to be be pretty quick especially with their recent form and uh, that was actually one of my race predictions is that Alonzo fights his way back up into the top 10 and gets some points and uh, he was he he was doing really well and then he almost wasn't but then he ended up and it ended up coming home in in uh, 10th place there uh, some interesting drama there for him I think under the VSC he ended up pitting and then had an unsafe release that was investigated for a little while and then he had to pit again then too. yeah he had, to, twice had to come VSC. back around so yeah that dropped him out of the points and then luckily he was able to to charge back pretty impressively to get through uh, a couple botas there and at the end and albon as well to get into the points um so good prediction on that end and then my other my other prediction not so much i had a daniel ricardo dnf and my thinking there was that uh you know, on top of him not being on, on great, his greatest form, uh, they had some issues with Norris's car in qualifying, and maybe they weren't yeah. able to catch that in, in between the races, but uh, in Daniel Ricciardo's car. But, uh, yeah, he was able to bring it home pretty well, pretty quiet for him. I think Norris had a lot of action on track. Um, yeah. Ricardo not so much. He was running in clean air a lot No, he ended up, you know, he started behind Lando and kind of stuck behind him there at the beginning, and then Lando ended up pulling away and, Lando because that saw the action with the Haas, but Ricardo, Ricardo kind of ran a lonely race, similar to uh, up until the end, kind of how uh, Russell was, and then we saw with Hamilton kind of, other than that little thing with Max there, pretty much a, uh, a lonely race where they were just kind of by themselves. But yeah, Ricardo, you know, kept consistent and ended up putting P9 to finish today. Yeah, and, and good for the McLaren team, able to finally get some points. Yeah. And, um, luckily, with the Alonso slip up, they were able to, to bring the standings with them and Alpine right up to even yeah exactly at 81 apiece so yeah i guess if we want to run through the, the standings real quick after the race uh so not really much in the change in the drivers other than we had charles kind of passing perez again and kind of solidifying himself in that p2 spot and he's 38 points back of Matt back of max so definitely sets up for an interesting rest of the season 
Uh, and then outside of that, not much change in the drivers. Um, and then in the team standings, we had the biggest thing is, you know, Haas jumping up to P7 now and kind of making a push towards Alfredo for that sixth spot. Yeah. Um, which I think is definitely attainable for them this year if they keep on form like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you're seeing kind of a clear battle solidify for that best of the rest between McLaren and Alpine tied at 81 now. I think it's just going to be whoever you know brings the better upgrades and maybe has a little bit of luck going the rest of the way. Yeah, and it's interesting even looking up front. You know, Red Bull's up there a good 50, 60 points almost from from Ferrari, and they're starting to pull away with it pretty well. But Mercedes is making a good charge with their consistency, and if Red Bull and Ferrari continue to have these mechanical woes or, or putting it in the gravel or uh, misstepping, you know, weekend after weekend like they have been pretty recently then mercedes might be able to to start making a push up front yeah and i think it'll be interesting too you know we um we'll kind of get into this a little more at the end but you know with the new regulations that are kind of being updated for you know the flexi floor and that we talked about in silverstone and kind of the team having to make changes to their cars for the porpoising um you know we heard russell in the interview after the race talk about how he thinks that'll kind of bring them the front runners down a little bit because they were the ones that were kind of exploiting that whereas Mercedes wasn't, so he thinks it won't affect them as much. So I think it'll be interesting if, you know, after, you know, the summer break with, you know, whatever it is, nine races left to go, if Mercedes can be within, you know, they're about 120 down right now, if they can be within 100 points of Red Bull and they are even on pace, you know, and they turn it on there at the end, then we could see uh, it get to the last couple races and it'll all be pretty close between the top three teams. Yeah, and the momentum's really starting to swing in their favor. They've been, yeah. you know, on the podium in every race since Monaco and uh, they've just continued to have good pace and, you know, in a, in a clean qualifying, they could have been very much up in, in interrupting uh, Verstappen or, uh, you know, those, those top two teams. So uh, definitely an interesting, interesting fight to watch going forward. Yeah. Um, so I guess now we can kind of dive into our, our top drivers of the weekend. Um, so I don't know if you want to start with yours and then I can go through mine. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll keep going on the Mercedes train there. And George is definitely one of mine. And even though he had that penalty, which, um, you know, I, I still don't think that was very warranted. I think it was I l- a little harsh for, for the actual incident. But, um, you know, that knocked him down a little bit. He was carrying a little bit of damage, I believe, and um, ended up still being able to storm back through the field and, and putting it in P4 and just a consistent race. And, uh, you know, was never really under pressure from behind uh after he was able to get up there so just a really good race uh from from his end and pretty consistent and able to to keep up with the likes of hamilton uh in that mercedes and then my second one is gonna have to be alonzo i think you know he had a a decent start in qualifying and then just an unfortunate you know mechanical error in um in the sprint race or before the sprint race and then uh was just absolutely flying in in the full race and was going for that one stop and was was doing really well running up pretty high in the points and then ended up stopping and and dropping down with joe at the same time pitting and then stormed right back up through the field until that until that uh safety car at the end or uh virtual safety car and then uh, if it wasn't for that incident you know he'd be he'd be right up there in five six position doing uh, a really good points finish and you know picking up 15 14 places but even 10th is a really good recovery drive from him yeah definitely and then lastly i had charles leclerc because uh, just an all-around great weekend from him never really put a foot wrong you know he had that fight with uh signs kept it clean in the sprint race and was still able to stay ahead and then 
even with the issues at the very end of the race, he was able to keep it super clean, keep it super quick, and stay ahead of Max at his home race. So uh, a good win from him and uh, hopefully some motivation and uh, promise going forward. Yes, for sure. I think Ferrari definitely, even though they had the, the science DNF, which is a little concerning with their reliability, but I think they're taking a lot of positives away from this weekend going forward and they seem to kind of be back on equal footing with red bull after this weekend yeah uh, whereas in the past you know ever since really miami like you said they haven't really had a clean race and it seems like they've kind of been lacking a little bit in pace but mm-hmm. um so going into my three drivers for uh top three drivers for the weekend first i had to go with mick uh just an outstanding weekend for him all around was one place off and getting points in the sprint race but really battled lewis hard in that one and kind of held his own Agreed. Uh, which was awesome to see against someone so much more experienced than him and then the race itself, you know, had a great battle with, with Norris and Magnuson and all them kind of in the midfield there and was able to capitalize on all of them and make his way up to sixth, uh, you know, through the VSC at the end and through through the different things. And um, it was just nice to see him have paced all weekend and kind of have that luck on his side. I know he's been pretty unlucky this year when he's had a couple chances to get points and hasn't been able to capitalize on it. So that was awesome to see. I think he just looked great all weekend and ended up getting driver of the day too, So which was definitely well-deserved. Yeah, good for him. Um my second driver how is Norris. Another one kind of similar. Similar to the whole season for him really has been. He's just been consistent. He's just, when he's had the car under him and he hasn't had a, you know, other than that first race in Bahrain, he is, he's made the most out of that car. And it's definitely a midfield car. But he seems to consistently put it in sixth or seventh place and, you know, kind of the best of the rest. So, obviously, you know, he had that podium in Imola. But other than that, he's always kind of been behind those top three teams. But, Anytime there's been a mistake from them, he's capitalized on it or, or you know, whatever he needs to do to, to finish in the top six or seven, he's always done. So I think that's been the most impressive thing for me is him taking that car and just continuing to put it there. And the fact that he's been able to, you know, make Ricardo take so much heat from from outsiders because he's able to, to keep it ahead of Ricardo and, you know, qualify out qualify him and continue to keep it um, just on a, on a better track uh, is, is very impressive. Yeah, I agree. I think it's he's one of those drivers that I'm I'm hoping you know McLaren can get him a a title winning car, or a car that's close to that um, eventually because he I think he deserves it and I think he could be fighting for the title up there with Max and Charles and all them. And so it's 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 just been good to see him continue to be consistent. And like you said, he's been so good that it's almost you know been a downfall on Ricardo. Yeah. Um, and then going into my my third one, I had Hamilton. Uh, I think just another consistent weekend from him where. You know, obviously he had, he had a little trouble there in Q3, but other than that, was able to make his way through the field and, and show his pace and looked quick all weekend. Looked like he could have put it on pole in qualifying had he not crashed out. But um, other than that, made his way through the field, again, capitalized on, on the different, on the virtual safety car and just the different pit strategies and was able to make his tires last longer. And then, you know, getting on the podium for a third consecutive week, I think he's really starting to build momentum now. And I think that'll definitely help him going forward to kind of like get that mojo back. Yeah, agreed. And uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, Mercedes has a lot to be hopeful about. You know, we have a, a couple of paddock rumors to go through, and one of those is the vertical oscillations that uh, that George was talking about after the race, uh, and some more official rulings. It keeps getting pushed back, but at the moment, it's looking like it'll come in at Spa and um, go in effect there. So we'll see what that actually ends up being. No official uh, regulations coming from that yet, but. Um, definitely a big talking point going forward and over the, the break. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what comes out in terms of like what they actually rule needs to be done. And then like I talked about earlier, I think how does it affect those top teams, right? Because that's kind of the rumors we've been hearing is that, you know, Ferrari and Red Bull are the ones that were really able to figure out like 
this kind of gray area mm-hmm. in terms of the technical regulation about how they could, you know, fool with the floor basically to get the porpoising to be less. You know, will it bring them back down? Will it? Will it? You know, will it give Mercedes that big of a jump? Like, I think that'll be interesting to see. Is how do these teams adapt? And then for the teams in the midfield too, you know, how does it affect somebody like Alpine or McLaren or someone like that? That's kind of battling the midfield and isn't battling the front. Does it, you know, maybe give them a step to maybe put some pressure on those top guys, even though they're, they're out of the title fight now, but just in the final races, does, does it give them a little a little juice at the end? Because I know, like we saw last year where, you know, it was a clear Red Bull Mercedes kind of battle, but, you know, we had people like Lando or Charles or somebody putting it in P3 and kind of splitting them up sometimes in some of those races. I, I mean, even at Abu Dhabi last year, you know, we had Norris starting the race in third and, you know, could these regulation changes bring some of those midfield teams up a little bit to kind of put that pressure on. Yeah, definitely an interesting th- thing to watch going forward. And then, uh, like we've been talking about the past couple weeks, weeks the budget cap was uh, officially ruled on, and they're going to raise it by uh, just over 3%. So uh, hopefully we can stop hearing some complaining from, from some of those down on the paddock, and, uh, and hopefully they'll all be able to make it to every race. Yes, yeah, I think that'll be good to not have to hear certain teams complain about the budget cap anymore you guys probably know who we're talking about but um i think it's probably smart i think you know hearing some of the different points that the different drivers have talked about and the team principles and stuff i think overall you know like we talked about earlier if you're having teams where they're hitting their cost cap and they can't do any like one third away in the season and they can't make any more upgrades at all yeah i think you're going to hinder some people then um obviously it doesn't affect the kind of the the lower teams as much because they're so far behind it's not really going to make that big of a difference but i think it definitely encourages more of a title fight up front because we're going to see these cars get even better among those top teams and i think it'll make the racing more exciting and i think it's definitely something where you don't want you know one of the top teams to have hit the cost cap already and then they can't make upgrades of final two-thirds of the year while the other team can i think it's I think it's good that they're doing it ultimately. Yeah, and I think, uh, like Christian Horner was talking about, there's a lot of external factors, and I think uh, hopefully that'll help alleviate some of those uh, external issues that some teams are running into. But uh, moving on on from that, the other one that we found out really really right before the race was yeah, right before. that uh, Herda in uh, Portimao is going to be trying out the McLaren. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Colton Herda is a 22-year-old American that currently drives an IndyCar. He drives for Andretti Racing, but he's a reserve driver for McLaren's Formula One team. Uh, and so he was basically spotted in Portimao, which is in Portugal, at that track uh, this morning, uh, getting some practice laps in in what appeared to be a McLaren F1 car. Um, and so he's kind of been rumored to possibly be a replacement for Ricardo. Uh, should he you know, not have his contract renewed at the end of the season, or should they back out of that contract at the end of the season? Um, he's definitely looked very good in IndyCar, and I know he's promising up-and-comer and it would be cool to to see an american make his way back into the sport i think both you i both you and i agree on that but um i think it's an exciting prospect and i think you know the other rumor we heard along now with mclaren that we that we heard kind of at the end of the recap show today on on f1 live was uh the possibility that you know we had talked about piastri joining williams as being kind of pretty strong but that seems to have kind of backed off a little because you know we heard that he's been in talks with mclaren now you know, to potentially figure out is Ricardo going to be here next year, and if not, would Oscar Piastri take that seat? So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know you know Zach Brown is a, a big fan of getting an American driver over, and I think a lot of fans will will be very happy to see that. And uh, you know, hopefully Haas can can support something like that and become a, a little more American than 
than they are right now, but I think it's uh, leaning towards potentially a McLaren seat. And, um, you know, I don't think any of us will complain about having somebody to root for from the States. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. I think it would really bring a lot more. I mean, there's already a lot of buzz around F1 here. Yeah. Um, it's just really blown up in the past, you know, just calendar year, really. But if they were able to get an American driver into the sport and even an American driver on an American team, I think it would just make it blow up, like, exponentially. Yeah. Because it would really give people here that don't really understand the sport, like, or don't care as much, like, something to root for. Because mm-hmm. we have, you know, one American in the sport only. So I think it would be really exciting. I think that, you know, I think Harris is a great fit. I think he definitely, you know, has a good shot at it. And it just kind of depends, I think, on how the rest of the year goes for Ricardo. Yeah, and... You know, beyond the scope of F1, uh, McLaren is is a very interesting organization. You know, they have a Formula E team that they just bought from Mercedes and a, an extreme E team that they run, and then also IndyCar and Formula One. So it's interesting that they keep kind of a driver pool, and they've announced that they're signing drivers, but, but they won't necessarily announce what racing series they're going to be performing in. So uh, just a very interesting organization. And uh, I know in our upcoming podcast, we're going to talk about our, our favorite teams and drivers and uh, we talk about a little bit of uh, why we both enjoy McLaren as a as an organization yeah I think it's an exciting prospect for them going forward Um, they've really established themselves as kind of one of the biggest brands in racing yeah just not being in just Formula One they're across basically ever every major level of racing that we have and uh, like you said they they're doing this interesting thing where I don't think we've really seen it before they're basically just hiring drivers and they've just kind of cycling them between the different the different uh, racing categories, right? So I know they have some guys that are in IndyCar. They might move to Formula E next year, maybe Formula 1. You know, from Formula E, they might bring in somebody new or bring someone from... I've heard talks of even bringing in one of the female drivers from the Extreme Racing Series. Like, there's just so many different possibilities. So I think they're really establishing themselves as, like, a bigger-than-F1, like, just F1 brand, like, kind of like a, a racing company now. Yeah, and it's really really fun to watch and gives them a good platform to to do things outside of Formula One and beyond the sport. And uh, yeah, just a really, really enjoyable organization and uh, a very likable organization. Yeah, so I think, you know, kind of cleaning things up here before we get into our our funny happening segment. uh, The only other thing I want to talk about, uh, just kind of piggybacking off of Silverstone, just another tough weekend for AlphaTauri. Yeah. Just... I don't know what it is. Uh, obviously, in Silverstone, they were running a seventh, eighth, and we talked about you know them crashing each other out. But then this weekend, you had Gasly just all over the place. Yeah, did not look settled at all in the car. And then Sonoda, you know, we'll kind of talk about Sonoda a little bit and the funny happenings too. What happened with him and, and Alonso? But um, just just a rough weekend all around, and they just continued to kind of fall back. They had that great race in Baku where um, you know Gasly finished fifth, I think, and got solid points, but. Uh, in the last three races now, they've just really struggled and have really just dug themselves in a hole. Yeah, it's it's almost difficult to watch. I know, you know, Gasly coming down from Red Bull was uh, just a very talented driver and was able to do incredible things with that, that old spec car. And uh, it just doesn't seem to really suit him this year. And uh, even though he's able to, to drive it pretty well, the team hasn't been able to give him a car that's able to, to fight up in the top six or eight you know, consistently. So, uh, yeah, an interesting team to, to watch with their ups and downs because uh, they have had some good races and even Sonoda's put in a couple of good performances this year so far, but uh, nothing to really hold on to going forward and, and not very consistent. Yeah, and, and like we talked about, you know, Haas getting past them now this weekend and the constructors, 
I don't know if they're going to get it to get past. I mean, the way Haas has on, been on form these past couple races, kind mm-hmm. of they're trending in opposite directions for both these teams. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be interesting going forward. But a lot of people had high hopes for the AlphaTauri coming in because they are using that, that Red Bull powertrain too. And, um, you know, they looked like Gasly scored over 100 points last year. He looked awesome. And I think this year people thought, you know, if Snow can bring it up, they could challenge for that P4, P5 slot even in the standings. But just really has been pretty much just a disaster of a year for them yeah yeah it hasn't been too fun to watch uh although you know moving into our funny happenings if you want to go ahead and explain a little bit of that alonzo finger wag yeah so probably the funniest alonzo had a couple we'll get into for this weekend but the first uh from alonzo or i guess it would have been the second one the the funniest one you know him and snowder having a battle coming out of turn three and uh snowder really pushes him towards the inside line towards the inside of the track and alonzo has a Alonso ends up putting two tires into the grass, and as Alonso gets past Nor uh, Sonoda, he gives him a nice little middle finger wag, which was all time funny. They showed it on the onboard camera, like it it literally looked like something that like someone would do like go karting like for yeah. fun. Like it looked like you were like playing a video game or something. But he, while traveling at two hundred miles per hour down a straight into a turn, gave a middle finger to Sonoda. It's it's unbelievable how talented they can be and and still have some. Uh some room to wiggle you know so yeah definitely a a very funny instance there and then you know the other one was uh, as you like to call him trollonzo and trollonzo his start on the qualifying is uh just they're all getting ready to take off and he's up on the jacks with his with his wheel blankets on and just in everybody's way oh yeah i i like to call him trollonzo and we'll talk about it more in our in our podcast coming out next week about our favorite and least favorite drivers but he always cracks me up because he'll put in this epic qualifying performance and put it P4 or something and just totally disrupt the front of the grid where we want to see a battle between these top teams. When you know in the race he's just going to be a train and just fall back to P9, P10 yeah. or whatever. And then he's just been so unlucky this year, so it's just funny that every race like something seems to happen to him. Like It's kind of sad, but also it's kind of funny. Like you know, This race he had where in the sprint race, like you said, he had the tire blankets on on the grid and couldn't start the race and had to start from the back. Or, like, at Canada, he had the penalties where he ended up getting knocked down on the points. Like, that's, he's just on, so That's just how he is. Yeah, and he, he's gone on record saying he's probably lost well over 50 points so far this season. Yeah, which I was – I thought that was a little extreme. I, I wanted <laughs> to, like, you know, say, buddy, like, I, I'd give him, like, 20 to 30 points he's probably lost, but, you know, 50 to 60 points is, like, what the article said. Like, that so, would put him up, like – Winning yeah, races. Like, what's he at right now? He's at 30. That'd be put him up at 9. He'd be like, you know, closing in on Hamilton in P6. Like, he hasn't been that good. But yeah. It, he has been somewhat unlucky this year, but yeah, it is, it is, he's just a funny guy because you always know, you know, and I always talk to my brother about this too, like, anytime he puts it up, like, as soon as you put it in P2 in Canada in the wet, I, I immediately know it's like, well, he's going to finish in P9 because that's just how he is. He's just going to mess up the first turn and let whoever's in first, which is Max, just get away. And then he'll just create a train behind him, and that'll be the end of the race. And before the race promised that he's going to send one up the middle. Yeah. And then another funny moment we had was, we kind of discussed it a little earlier with Albon in the sprint, but two knockouts by him in the sprint. I think he took out Vettel and Joe at two different points. Um, like we said, just head hunting, And it was just funny to see because like it, it, it reminded me like when you're playing like the F1, like the video game, like the way I would drive in that is yep. just, you know, turn the damage off and like, just clip people on the inside and just run straight into turns. That's how Albon was driving. Just no fear at all. Did not care about penalties. I think he ended up, like you said, getting two of them for both the incidents. 
and then that pushed him all the way back to the back of the grid to start the race. So he had no cares at all in the sprint. He just wanted to get as far as up as he can. Which I, I res- listen. It's always fun to to see someone like that to take those risks and stuff, and sometimes it can pay off. But I mean, he it was reckless out there for him. Yeah, but unlike his teammate, he's got a little bit of pace that he might actually be able to to gain some positions there. Yeah. So another funny one was in the sprint race, an all time moment. You know, so the sprint race was. 24 laps, but then because of the exclamation lap, it was actually only 23. And in the 23 lap race, Latifi finished just about 60 seconds behind Max, who was the winner. And the lap time at Austria for the cars of this gen is around, you know, race laps probably 108, 107. So Latifi very nearly getting lapped in a sprint race is just so Latifi. And I know we talk about Latifi. We have like a segment basically every week about Latifi on here. Um, and he finally got ahead of Hulkenberg after Silverstone in the standings. But, you know, just another race from him where they didn't even sh- – I don't even think they really showed him DNFing. They were just real quick. They showed him in the in the, in the the pit wall. But, you know, just – he finished in 19th. He finished ahead of Perez, I guess, technically, because he DNF'd later. But the guy is just – he's got to go at this point. Like, there's just – I know we talk about it all the time, but it's, it's become almost a meme at this point where he is so bad. And, I mean – Getting 60 seconds behind in a 20-lap race, like, he's, you know, I know their car is slower, but, like, like three, three-plus seconds a lap he's losing it's rough. to the leaders. Like, that's, you know, I know Albon was headhunting in the race, but he wasn't, he didn't finish that far behind. Even with the penalty, he didn't finish that far behind. So, like, it's just, it's not like it's both of them are finishing that far behind. With Tifi, it's just, it's almost to the point when, I, I know I've seen this in different YouTube videos and stuff where, like, it's almost like unsafe for him to be out there. He's so slow. Like he's getting near the point where he's so much slower per lap that it's like a liability. Yeah, and we saw that last year with uh, Mazda spin and how yeah. dangerous that got. But and I don't think Latifi's nearly on that level. No. But you know it does compound. It's he's so far behind his teammate that it's just not competitive. And we see that in the Williams garage. And and you know they're just they're just not able to to fight for points in that side of the garage. And. Uh, yeah, it, we're we're all ready for a change. I think. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So the next one, I think uh, a lot of us saw online was uh, Max losing his hat on his celebration lap in the in the Red Bull car, and uh, yeah, just pretty funny. You know, he's celebrating and then decides to give it up, and then we saw him after uh, or, or pre race in his uh, pre formation lap, just uh, parade lap in the same car, holding on real tight to his hat and. Uh, yeah, just a pretty pretty funny moment from him at his home race. Yeah, I agree. I think that it it was fun. It's I like when they do those things before the race. You know, they did. I know at Canada they did like the older cars. They drove around the track and yeah, uh, they do different things like that. And I think it's always fun. But yeah, it was funny seeing the picture of him lose it the first day. Yeah, and then he actually got it back in the press conference later on. Someone actually ended up giving it to him. They, yeah, they found it. But then this uh, today in today's in today's race he just ended up holding his hat the entire time for the whole lap around and whatever kind of car they were in yeah and I, I agree with you I, I think they used to do a lot of the truck for the truck parade laps yeah. on the back of the flatbeds but uh, I think Miami was was I think one of the first races that they did those separate older vintage yeah, cars older vintage or cars. Uh, some Ferraris and, and some nicer cars that they would parade around in and yeah, I think it's a pretty pretty awesome thing to see, and it, it sounds like the drivers enjoy it as well. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun for the fans, and it's a good chance for them to kind of individually see the drivers rather than them being on, like you said, just like this stage basically rolling around the circuit. Yeah. Just adds a little more atmosphere to the race, and, you know, in this one in particular, he was in some kind of special, like, Red Bull 
car. Yeah. Uh, and kind of got paraded around as he should have. It's Red Bull's home track. You know, he's the world champion from last year. Like he's in first in the standings, all that good stuff. Like it's, it's good that they did that. And I think it definitely helped with the atmosphere. Yeah. And speaking of atmosphere, I mean the orange smoke after every session before yeah. every race is it's uh it's pretty awesome to see. And, you know, we get a lot of helicopter shots and it really just looks like a whole weather front moved oh, yeah. in of, of orange clouds and yeah uh, it's pretty interesting and then i know after the sprint race specifically or we were on board with bottas in the last lap and he was coming around turn uh eight i believe it was and you just can't see anything past it because rolling off of that uh that grandstand there in the middle of the track and uh, it's just very thick dense orange oh yeah it's pretty impressive that they're able to still drive through that and keep their focus but uh, yeah, all, all that kind of plays into the atmosphere of the track. And, you know, I, I, I think Austria is a pretty, pretty good track and the Red Bull ring has, uh, uh, some pretty interesting races. Yeah. I think it's just a fun weekend always every year. Right. I think yeah. it's, it's a cool track because it is so quick, you know, like when they're really like in for pole and stuff and you know, basically a minute for a lap time is really quick. And I think you get a lot of action because of that, because the track is so small, the field doesn't spread out as much as it normally did. Obviously, we had people get lapped, but because even though you're getting lapped because the track is so small, there's just a lot more blue flag action and people that are lapped unlapping themselves. And yeah. I just think in general, it's a very fun race because it is so compact. And I always found it really interesting how they thought to design that track that way. And it's it's kind of got oval vibes without being an oval, if that makes sense, because it is so small. But then you still get like good racing at it because of the... There's just several areas to pass, and there being three DRS zones. Yeah, and I always liked it. I think it was uh, it was actually the first track that I ever watched a race at, and uh, I got the Formula One game, and you know did a few laps around the track. And I think because it's smaller, it's a lot easier for a lot of fans to follow the action. And yeah. so when they clip to an onboard or something, you know where they are on the track and whether they're coming around to the back straight or, or things like that. Whereas opposed to you know some longer tracks people that aren't so familiar with it you can kind of get lost when you're watching a lot of those onboards yeah i agree i definitely remember you know when i first started watching like at portugal and spain and those ones getting a little lost because you're not really sure what the track looks like yeah and you know if once you get used to it and get familiar with it you're fine but yeah i think red bull's good for like the common fan because you can like very clearly see where everybody's at all the time yeah until the orange pours until over, the orange pours over yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh Kind of the last the last funny happening. I know it's a, another segment that we like to have, but uh, Tom was back on live TV commentary. Oh, and, yeah, our favorite guy, Tom. You know, although he wasn't as bad as as uh, prior sessions, he was still uh, back at it in full force and uh, emphasizing every little thing that he can, whether it was uh, a Williams slowing down in the pit lane to get to his pit limiter or Max Verstappen crossing the finish line. They were both said with the same amount of excitement yeah. and uh, yeah just uh you know hard to watch after a little bit yeah I, I agree with you I think it's you know we got the same excitement for Leclerc crossing the finish line as we did for you know Latifi opening the back door of the Williams garage like yeah there's no in between like there's he's just up and down the whole race which I think is hilarious yeah there's no like rhyme or reason to like when he gets excited and when he doesn't uh, and then, you know, just some of his different sayings, like he had a classic one when Leclerc had the throttle problem where he said, you just hate to see as a driver having issues with the pedals or the brakes. And we're like, well, obviously like, those are the two things you use to drive the car. Like it would be the only thing you can make it worse if he said like, it would suck to have the steering wheel not work. Like obviously. Yeah. Um, 
he had a lot of comments like that this race, but I think he's just kind of turned into a meme for me and you now at this point where as soon as, like, I know you said as soon as you turned on qualifying on Friday, like, you had to switch to the regular broadcast because like, yep. you just couldn't listen to him because he's just so all over the place. Yeah, I can't watch a, you know, a free practice session that's hyped up like that. You know, I don't need my, my adrenaline up that high when I'm just trying to learn some information about the track and, and exactly. so on, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, I ended up having to switch over to Sky Sports, which is always a classic broadcast. Oh, but, yeah. you know, I think we all enjoy some F1 TV broadcast, and we were talking about, you know, hopefully – Will Buxton and Sam Collins and Julian Palmer can can uh, get up there in the commentary box and, and we can enjoy yeah. enjoy a good weekend from them. To listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess going forward, we we move on to France. We have a week off next week, and uh, like we like we mentioned kind of briefly before, we will be there will be an episode next week. Even though there's no race, it'll be kind of on our F1 backgrounds and our favorite teams, favorite drivers, least favorite drivers. You'll get a, a very nice, eloquently put monologue from Tyler about his least favorite driver and why that is but um yeah let's go ahead and tune into that next week as well uh but yeah we're heading to france after that so a week break and then we have france and hungary before the summer break so i guess you know some of your initial thoughts on on france yeah i mean you know there's always a lot of talk about how it's uh just kind of a boring track and you know i agree at points that there's a lot of runoff not a lot of yeah you know damage for if you make mistakes and uh it is unfortunate it's a lot of fun to watch you know my favorite track is like baku and every mistake you do there's a, a, there's a safety car every big exactly few safety cars at france yeah. exactly yeah so you know last year we had a really good race and i'm yeah. hoping this year we can have a, a good race as well but uh yeah as a track it's uh you know middle of the road yeah i'd say it's middle of the road i think the runoff thing is probably the least appealing part it, it looks visually cool from mm-hmm. above because of all the colors yeah but uh, having all that runoff it makes for where you don't really get those those big accidents which obviously for the driver's safety and everything is great but it doesn't make for safety cars or anything like that um obviously last year we had an awesome race and i think the race will kind of turn out similar to this year where i think we're going to see hopefully mercedes in that battle too but yeah. whoever's in that battle at the front i think you're going to see you know whether one does it, it seems to be there's more pit stops this year so i don't know if it'll be a one versus two stop like it was last year but probably a two versus three or something like that where someone's storming back through who's in second trying to catch up on on fresher tires and that's that's what happened last year where, you know, Verstappen pitted first and then Hamilton just decided to just go along, pit later on, and then only pit once, and then Max ended up getting him in the last two or three laps, I think. But Yeah, and, and we'll see, you know, with a weekend off, they'll be able to hopefully bring uh, a little bit more knowledge to the track with uh, how the tires are, are doing and hopefully some newer parts. Uh, I know George wasn't able to run the newest spec this past weekend, but... Uh, you know, hopefully they're they're all as rapid as they can be, and we'll get a good race. Yeah, I hope so too. And I think it'll be it's exciting to go to another place. We're going to have obviously some drivers from, so we have Pierre and Ocon both being French. I think the atmosphere will be fun for them. I know Ocon is on grandstand, but uh, I think it'll be a fun weekend overall. Hopefully, and I, you know, hopefully it lives up to what it's be. We could, you know, a wet race would also be, I think, make things really interesting and a wet qualifying too. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in France.